critters are not guns for hire by job seekers. Individuals can't afford to hire us. Our clients are corporations who enlist us to find the right candidates for their open positions. We work with candidates to the extent that they are a good fit for whatever role we're recruiting at the moment. For example, if you're an amazing CFO candidate, I'll keep you in mind, but I won't be helpful unless I've been retained to recruit a CFO position. And P.S., we recruiters have long memories. I might not have something that fits your background today, but I'm keeping you in mind. If I've met you previously and thought you were a great candidate, you might hear from me in six months or you might hear from me in two years, depending. Of course, the flip side is that we also remember candidates who perform negatively in interviews or stalk us. That's our opening shot, not from me, Jen Lancaster, or my memoir, Stories I Tell in Bars. Instead, this is a piece from the Chicago Defender article by my co-host, Gina B. We're talking about the workplace today, and we're going to tap into the unique knowledge that Gina B. possesses from her day job as an executive recruiter because we want to help you find the best job. Yes, we do. Now, I am Jen Lancaster, and our podcast is Stories We Tell in Bars. I'm delighted to be here with DJ Lee Farmer, who is providing our music and making us sound good, and filming us now, which is very exciting. (laughs) And I'm with the other half of the we, Gina B. Hello, beautiful people, and thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast here at Stories We Tell in Bars. That is, This is a show where our topics range from life to liberty, but mostly pertain to the other pursuit that we have, which is the pursuit of bullshit. <laughs> I want to welcome all of our listeners who are joining us today, whether you're here on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or iHeartRadio or wherever you happen to find us. And actually, you can tell us where you found us if you want to on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash stories we tell in bars. Or you could email us at stories we tell in bars at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at stories we tell in bars. There's a theme here. <laughs> and Gina, we... We've got a, a Stories YouTube page yes, now, yes? we do. We do. We have a, a new Stories YouTube. I don't know that there's anything on it, but we have a Stories YouTube page that we will be populating. Nice. We, yes. we're, we're social media moguls. In our minds. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get into our show, I have to ask you about the opening shot. Have you really had clients stalk you? In a sense. So they Not haven't at your house. They haven't hidden in my bushes, if that's what you're asking. But in my industry, which is I'm an executive recruiter by day, um, stalking a stalking candidate is one who calls, emails, sometimes texts every day, even when you've told him or her that you have do no information. Do they ever send you presents? No. Which, oh, they should which, do that. Which is like, yes, they should. How would they not send yeah, I thought about that. That's that's just wrong. They haven't sent me any presents. Huh. Anyway. Okay, so on the last show, following feedback that Gina should try to be more relatable, we decided to institute a system in which I'd ring a bell if Gina began to sound pretentious. And um, we didn't actually get a bell. It's just us saying ding. But guess who kept getting dinged last week? Spoiler alert. It was not Gina. (laughs) No, it wasn't, but that's okay. (laughs) I don't mind sharing the pretension. A lot of you (laughs) listeners know that my day job is writing books. So I want to remind everyone, and I I have to get this in, that my YA novel, Young Adult, um, The Gatekeepers, is coming out on October 10th. I've never been more proud of anything that I've written, and honest to God, I believe that this book 
could help save your teen's life. You can check out my website at jenlancaster.com or the book's website at beagatekeeper.com for more information about the book and about upcoming events. However, I am taking a back seat to you today, Gina, because you are the expert on our topic. Uh-oh. I'll raise a glass to that, though. <laughs> And on that note, we're going to get into the happy hour portion of our show with a toast. Jen, what are you drinking today? I am drinking Miami Pinot Noir, and it's nice. It is tasty, right? It's nice, yeah. I love it. Um, now, today is all about you downloading what you know, so I think that you should give the toast. But if I can make a suggestion, please, please make it to the candidate who accidentally shot you that sent you that shot of his junk because <laughs> that was great and if you could give the toast and then tell us more about that i i think that we would oh all God. like to hear it okay first of all all toasts to men never sending pictures of their junk ever so guys here's my thing set yourself up for success nothing looks big on a four inch screen you know what i'd like to see a picture of your bank statement there we go is that a ding that's, no it is a ding. it might be a ding okay. that's a ding that's a ding you know Here's the thing. If you don't have a picture of your junk, then you cannot accidentally send it to people. So especially if you plan to text people like your recruiter <laughs> about roles that you want, then when you're scrolling through things that you can send, your junk can't possibly be something that you include in that text message. That's all I'm going to say. Here's the role I'd like, baby. Exactly. I don't, the poll, your poll is not the role, dude. Let's, <laughs> let's stay away from that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, because we're covering things, all things workplace today, this is your wheelhouse, why don't we start at the beginning and you tell us how important your college major is. I'm really genuinely curious. If, if you were talking to kids today, what would you advise them to study based on what you do? I mean, I just, I, this is important to me because, because the gatekeepers is about kids who are under like crazy academic pressure because they're so concerned about their future. And I think that people just need to like step back and take a breath, you know, that's true. No, first I should explain that I, I'm going to get dinged on this. I, <laughs> I already know I recruit senior, senior level executives. Right. Um, these days I've evolved into recruiting senior level executives like C-suite. Nice. For, private equity held companies has been my niche recently. Um, so at the stage that I'm in in recruitment, I would just advise people to graduate and get that degree irrespective okay. of which degree you earn. Haven't you had a problem with people saying they have degrees when they don't? Oh my God. I've had as of, okay. So recently I'll give you a very recent example. We had a guy, great guy, great background. I found him. I loved him. And he finished everything but like a dissertation, something stupid. Like he didn't turn in a paper or something. So he actually marched with his class, but did not earn the degree, but he has it on his resume. And when we do an education Ooh. check, which we call an ed check for short, that's going to come out. So if you are like four credit shy or a paper shy, finish your damn degree because it's going to come back to haunt you. This man's probably about 54 years old and we are, um, we were considering him. He's Actually, had time to write that paper. He's had time, but also don't let something like that ruin your career when there is real money at stake. If, real if, money. Here's the thing. If you marched with her, can't you just be honest? Isn't it not that he didn't get a degree? It's that he wasn't honest? Well, he, well it's both because he okay. wasn't honest about getting his degree. I mean, okay. truth be told. I mean, it, it's just, 
you just get your degree is my whole point. Okay. I don't care if you major in, you know, like backward nose picking, whatever it is that you major in. I thought you were going to say political science because that's hilarious. Well, okay. But still, I don't care. I don't care what it is. Get the degree. Um, by the time candidates reach executive level, I only check to make sure they've earned a degree. I don't ponder why a candidate might have chosen to study philosophy over an accounting. That degree. makes sense. That makes sense. Now, this is interesting. I saw on Kiplinger.com the 10 best majors for a lucrative career are, at number 10, mm-hmm. finance. That's 10. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's tangible skills. Yep. Number nine actuarial mathematics. Now, this was interesting to me because um, my novel, By the Numbers, is about a woman who is an actuary because she lives her life mm-hmm. by, the, by numbers. the numbers. And I had to, this was the hardest challenge in my writing career because I had to write about someone who loved math. That nearly Which killed me. It, I, I couldn't, it was so hard for me to come up with reasons that people would love numbers. So, um, it's a lot actuarial and, and, and not only do actuary actuaries love numbers, but they get tested. They have to go through a series of tests well, to reach the so next many level. Certifications. It's insane. There's no way I would want to do this. There's no way I could do that. Yeah. Um, there's no way. I mean, just with math, I think about uh, two years ago, I got these great ferns for the front, the, the, the pots in the front yard. They were both 1199. And I put on my Facebook page is like, how great is it that I have this much greenery for less than $22? And people on my like, Facebook Hello. page were like, oh, honey, you're <laughs> very pretty, oh, aren't sweetie. you? You're so cute. Yeah. Okay. So, so number eight, number eight. physics, number mm. seven, business administration. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't really know what that means. No one does. It's okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, it's not just me. You. Number six, management information systems. What is that? Computers. I mean, it's, it's, it's in a sense. It's How computers. does that different... Different, um, how is that different for number five, which is computer science? Management information systems would be what to do with the information processed on computers. I think. That's and how computer science is more about the computers yeah, themselves? It's, how it was explained to me, I used to, I was in consulting, and I worked for the strategic information technology practice. That makes me but, want to kill myself. But boredom. then there was a high tech practice. So the difference was the high tech practice dealt with like the computer equipment. Okay. Right? And my practice dealt with strategically how to design the computer equipment. So it's, it's, <sighs> that's, that's me dying from, that's me with boredom cancer. Let's just move on. It's, to it's boredom cancer. Okay. So number four, four mechanical <laughs> engineering, number three, civil engineering, mm-hmm. number two, biomedical engineering. And the number one, which actually surprised <sighs> me. Was nursing. I love nurses so much. Why? Because I've had eight surgeries in my life. And nurses have been the best people to me. I love nurses so much. I, the doctors have been great, but really the nurses are the ones that have helped me so significantly. I remember all of my nurses. I could tell you some of their names, like of the surgeries that I had, because they've been amazing. This is a group from whom we're not going to get hate mail. Right. That's one. (laughs) No, no. Okay. No, I love nurses, but so go my, ahead. my question for you then is, what the fuck are you supposed to do if you're not a STEM person? There's so like, much you can do. What do you do? There's so much you can do. Like what? You get your ass the hell through college any way you know how. There's no shame in a liberal arts and science degree. Well, yeah. There's I, so I, many I, people. I've got one of those. And whether you graduate cum laude or thank you laude, um, it's all about <laughs> getting your bachelor's. I have never heard that. <laughs> Please laude. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Did you just that make was that my up mother. on the spot? My mother. Oh, your mom. My mother. 
your mom yeah was really something that was one of her things. okay so what was your major media communications and look at me today what does that mean that was broadcast i wanted to be oh. a news anchor so i did a lot of video classes a lot of um just a lot of video classes i did a lot of video editing classes and they made us go analog they made us go um to betamax and and, and just learn the brass tacks of editing and How'd that work out for you? And <laughs> not so well. I mean, I don't know. I did some guy. I learned editing on, on those machines. So why didn't you get a job as a newscaster? <sighs> I can see you being so good at that. I was, you know what? I ended up getting recruited to do a business to, to work at a consulting firm. Okay. And then it was so competitive. And I was afraid that I'd have to go to like Ask Crack, Podunk Ask State. Ask Crack, Arkansas. To do... I really didn't want to do that because I was having too much fun in Chicago. Okay, that's what makes it sense. boiled down to, which that is stupid sense. in retrospect, but it is what it is. Because you were at Pepperdine for three years and then you got your degree from Columbia. DePaul. In, DePaul, DePaul in Chicago. In Chicago, because okay. I had a knee, sur- I had knee surgery. That was okay. one of my first, that was actually my second surgery. Okay. Eight. And um, I tore my ACL. And so I came back. My parents were like, oh my God, no, you're not managing yourself very well by yourself in California. So I came here and I just finished DePaul. Okay. Well, you know what you get with the C average in 11 years in undergrad at Purdue? Oh, you get a job doing data entry. Awesome. My my first job was with Aetna U.S. Healthcare, and I was in charge, not in charge, I was a flunky putting together the physician's directories for, um, for members. So my job entailed like taking claims and looking at them because health insurance companies love nothing more than to deny your claims. I know this from having been in the industry. So if you were a physician whose office was on Ridge Road Mm -hmm. and our computer said Ridge Street, that claim would automatically be rejected. And I I mean, in my head, this was all a tremendous, like... Um, a tremendous scam, like someone would write an attorney book about it. Um, like, oh, oh, this was a tremendous healthcare scam. So it was my job to look at these claims and then call each of these offices. Are you on Ridge Road? Are you on Ridge Street? Mm. Are you at 4201? Are you at 4202? So my job was all day. You were a fact checker. I was a fact checker, but it was nothing that couldn't be done on Google now in about 10 seconds. But there wasn't Google. So the, No, I was Google before there was Google. You were Google, Google before C, that C. You were Google before Google. It's all about spin. And you know who, <laughs> who doesn't love you calling the office to find if they're a street or a way or a boulevard? The office managers. So I would just get an earful. Like every time I picked up the phone to verify, I would get yelled at. And that was not something I liked. And it really made me regret spending 11 years at school getting a C average. What was, so but your see, first professional job was, was, cons- did you get your job before you graduated? No, I got it after I graduated. Um, I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. The impetus was really just to get out of my parents' house. Okay. Cause my mother was like kicking me out. <laughs> she was like, Oh, you've got to get two women cannot exist under the same roof. You need to leave. But you were in their house during your last year of college. Yeah. Which I hated. Oh, I bet. Oh my God. Was that awful? But they're like, look, you just need to finish school. And then you can figure out how to get out of here after you do that. Right. So I was like, okay. That was not fun whatsoever. So I was just trying to get out of the house. So I got recruited. And one of the reasons why I'm a recruiter today is I remember my first recruiter. Wow. And she was, she called and she said, hey, listen, I've got this opportunity. 
at this management consulting firm. It's very low level. I'm like, that's fine. I'm low level. Um, I'm, you know, right out of college. And it was the way that she talked me through the entire thing. She told me who I was going to be meeting with. She told me even when I finished the interview to go downstairs, she goes across the hall from you, there'll be a payphone. Go over to the payphone and call me after you're done. I mean, it was just so oh, wow. complete and so thorough. And I always remembered that. So I don't really consider my first real professional job until I got into recruiting because I liked consulting. Consulting kept me on the road five days a week though, which Yuck. I didn't like. I hated it, but I got great, you know, benefits and miles and stuff. And I met wonderful people that I loved. But um, what were you consulting about? Oh God, we were working. I worked on the, um, well, I actually ended up with a really cool job in consulting. So for a little while I worked um, putting presentations together okay. for um, just a small boutique firm. And then I started doing more consulting work on consumer products companies and then I joined a company called Stacks, which I love these people to this day. I was working on due diligence projects for private equity companies. Boredom cancer. Yeah, no. Fun projects, though. Like, the things that you learn. Like, I did a whole project on the online, or no, I'm sorry, the, um, on, not Netflix. Yeah, it was Netflix. It was Netflix Oh, about streaming services. Streaming, but it was before streaming. It was when Netflix was still mailing out the, the, oh. the DVD. So we're talking about the changing um, video oh, rental market and how the demise of Blockbuster, it was all that. So we were, we were researching that. We were making recommendations on that. It was so cool. That is cool. But you know what? Those projects were frenetic and I pulled a lot of all-nighters on them, writing PowerPoint presentations that I'm sure nobody was reading. Um, so oh, I was on the train every day at 4.59. <laughs> from my data job. Yeah. So I was like sleeping. I mean, seriously, I would come here and I would still work. And uh, I just wanted to shift careers. So mm-hmm. I wanted, instead of finding business solutions to business problems, I wanted to find a human solution to a business problem. So there are very many similarities between consulting and in executive search. So I wanted to go into to search. And so I went to Corn Ferry and... Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say that, but yeah, I went yeah, to. They're not going to fire you. You haven't worked there for years. I haven't worked there in a long time. But that, I was that's really that cool. Like, yeah. like for me, I never expected to end up as a writer. That was never my path. Writing is always something that I liked. It's always something that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It was something that I wanted to study in college, but it, it, it just wasn't my path. It wasn't what I thought I would do. I... Um, I eventually got into sales, which is what everybody with decent hair and a liberal arts degree does. And you can do very well in sales. So well. But after 9-11, I I got laid off because, I mean, the economy had changed. I was working in a a company that very much relied on press releases from tech firms. and, And a lot of tech firms had crashed at the time. So I lost my job sort of by default, even like, but not through the fault of myself and that led to me that 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 indirectly led to my writing career because i had to figure out what to do with my life next now i'm happy with how everything turned out and if i had to do anything differently i wouldn't because i'm I'm pleased with where i am now do you wish that you had done anything differently in your career i always wish i'd done something differently like i'm not one of those people there are people like i have no regrets i have regrets uh, yeah, at least one of those people. Um, <laughs> I would have taken my career more seriously way sooner. Okay. Because I truthfully was having a great time. 
I was, I had enough money to afford me to ding. live. <laughs> what? Ding. ding. It was already a ding. I, yeah, you could just keep on dinging me. I wasn't even, no, I wasn't making that much money, but I was making more money than I'd ever made. Right. I mean, because I had, when I got my first job, I think I made $24,000 a year, uh-huh. but I had been a waitress where I made two thirty-five an hour plus tips. Right. So it's all relative. Like, like crazy fuck you money. Exactly. I just made the making it rain. That was fuck you gesture. money. I mean, it was. And I was making more money than I, I, now, if I had to make that amount of money now, I mean, I just, you know, several years later, I just wouldn't be happy. But at the time, I was thrilled. I was basically doing whatever I wanted. And I wasn't all that ambitious because uh, I didn't need to be right. at the time. Because right. that was what, what more could I want? And, and now I just look back and thought, I think um, if I had really participated more, in the advancement of my career then, then I right. would have gotten into search sooner. I mean, things right. probably would have escalated right. a lot differently, but I, you know what? I, I do the things that I, I want to do. Yeah. Um, and so I'm happy because I've set my life up in a way that I like it. Good. So, you know, ultimately, um, ultimately it's not a bad thing. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, um, to talk about what I'm working towards making my day job right now. <laughs> we'll be back. I, for one, am tired of being divided. We have individual DNA, multiple countries of origin, and sometimes radically opposing political views. But the one thing we all have in common? We all have skin. And whether your skin tone is dark or light, you deserve healthy, beautiful skin. And that's where Naturals by Gina B comes in. Our products are comprised of ingredients that you can actually pronounce. There are no parabens, no artificial fragrances, yet, We have rich, emollient, decadent products that will contribute to beautiful, moisturized skin that will last for hours and actually get better over time. So to learn more about us, please visit us at naturalsbygenab.com. Your skin will love you for it. with stories we'd tell in bars and I am here with my co-host Gina B. Gina, what I think that's so cool about your line Naturals is how it came to be. I mean, you saw a need and you decided to fill it. Can you tell us more about how that how that happened? Yeah, the need was that my hair was fucked up. <laughs> that's the need. Now, I uh now, you are the person who really has a lot of face. You you have a lot of face products and a lot of things yes. you go through with your beauty routine. My thing is hair. Mhm. I'm always wrangling my hair, right? And I have as many products for hair as you do for your okay. skin. And well, not anymore. I've got it down to a science. But at some point, my hair, I would straighten a lot, flat iron a lot. My stylist would always do it. And I started noticing that my hair was not as curly as it was. Like I would let him straighten it. And then I would go back to having it curly in between, like when I would just naturally let it air dry. Uh-huh. And then at some point, I noticed that my hair was not curly anymore. Was it like limp? It was like damaged like from heat so here's the trick people let you in a little secret at 400 degrees if you set your flat iron 
at 400 degrees, you are at risk of damaging your elastin in your hair, which will eradicate your curl pattern. Ew. Okay, you don't want that. At this point, from what I've learned, the story I'm about to tell you, I only set my flat iron. I will only let anyone set the flat iron when they do my hair to 375. Huh. Okay, so just that's something, that's the thing to keep in mind. Science, which I've learned. So the quick story is that after my hair was damaged by the flat iron, I decided that I would try to find something that would restore my curl pattern. My poor little ignorant self thought that I would be able to create something in the kitchen that would help my hair. And even, and that started me actually watching a lot of YouTube videos. Okay. Because I was like, someone's got to know something. Okay. This cannot be my state. And turns out it was my state. I See, I want to mock YouTube for knowing things, but that's how I know how to do everything. Exactly. Honestly. There is something, there's a YouTube video for anything you want to do. We and I opened mean our pool ourselves this year because of YouTube, and we're going to close it ourselves too. Yeah. We've saved thousands over the summer, thousands. YouTube is the best thing in the world. And some of these YouTube beauty vloggers, I, I just, I came to appreciate because I got a lot of great advice from them on what to do about my heat damaged hair. Unfortunately, the advice was to cut it, but... Oh. So anyway, in, in the, the, the I'm place... I'm picturing you with like the mushroom cut. Yeah, see that one. I would love to see that. No, you it's wouldn't. It's so nice. It is not cute. I mean, with <laughs> any kind of... I, I had to grow it out. I grew it out and I cut it gradually because I couldn't bear to have like no length. And, I, you know, and not only that, but I was afraid that my boyfriend was going to leave me if I cut my hair short <laughs> because he's a hair person. So, and he's laughing, but um, he's serious. He knows. He's like, no, don't cut your hair. So, all this to say... That in the interim, before I discovered that cutting my hair was going to be the only option, I bought a bunch of natural oils and butters, and I blended them, and I was trying to get the right combination of them, and I was just, I was reading on the things that would be great for my hair, and I would slather my hair with the stuff in the shower, and I had all these random little jars in the bathroom, and I realized that my hair was just as damaged. It was more moisturized, and the new growth was improving. Okay. But that dead hair, hair is dead. It's dead. It's done. Right? But here's what I found out. I love the way it felt on my skin. Huh. So I'm rinsing it off in the shower. I'm like, my hair is still damaged, but my skin's amazing. <laughs> like, I'm moisturized. I'm moisturized all day. And, and I need to start um, really using this just strictly on my skin. So uh, Lee had a trip to California and I was letting him use it, and I was making all, you know, he's like, that's nice, honey. And um, my one of my friends whose father's in the beauty industry mm-hmm. came and hung out with me for a weekend at the Lowe's Hotel in California. Nice. And um, we did, like, a spa thing while he was working, you know, Nero fiddled while Rome burned, right? <laughs> and she was looking for some lotion. I said, here, try this. And she said, what is this? I said, oh, I make this. She goes, you make this? She's like, I want to <laughs> know about this. No expects you to make your own moisturizer. You're not Martha Stewart. I, I mean, know, but, you know, yet here we are. And, and she doesn't even do that. Right. She doesn't herself, but she should, maybe. I don't know. But so my friend's like, no, I want to know about this because I want to get into the family business. The family business is beauty and, and skin and hair, really nice. shampoo and stuff, and, and actually pretty reputable. So she said, you should just do this. You should try this. And I was like, really? I'll see, you know, I never really thought about it that way. So I perfected it. It took about another year for me to get the texture where I really, really wanted it to be. I liked getting all the samples. And that, I still yes. have all these like things from all weird these, containers. Exactly. That was my thing first. I was like, here, try. I'm, I'm, thank you for here, being we'll like We'll put it in a pet. cumin bottle. 
That's essentially what yeah. you had a spice jar yeah. that was full of lotion at some point. And I was just trying textures and, and just poorly. This is great, but why was... does it smell like chili? <laughs> I had all kinds of odors that I was trying to work with. Lemongrass was always my favorite yeah. thing. And so that was the one that I knew that I was going to do. But yeah, so that's, that's how naturals came to be. That's so cool. Now people yeah. say that if you follow your passion, you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. What do you do in the interim while you're trying to figure out your passion? So... We've gotten to the binge portion of our show, and we're going to discuss Gina's best practices when it comes to getting a job, and a lot of it has to do with passion. So why don't we start, though, with the resume, which really is is your calling card. Mm -hmm. Now, say I'm a job seeker and I'm looking for a job tomorrow, which will happen if you don't buy the gatekeepers on October 10th. But um, (laughs) tell me, what, what makes a great resume, in your opinion, pink? scented (laughs) no none of the above okay so the thing to keep in mind always is that a resume is you on a page or on two pages so it would be pink and scented me okay well it's your background on a page and i i i say it that way because you are the leading authority on you okay all right so no one knows you better than you do and that's to help people get over the intimidation factor of writing a resume okay um there's nothing on this page that you can't write because you've lived it. So people okay. get, they, they turn that speed bump into a roadblock. I think it really is something that <clears> stops <throat> people and intimidates them. It does. And, and you shouldn't be because you're not going to go wrong. Now, the trick, though, is to present yourself in a way that makes you attractive to the company you're targeting. And I wrote this in an article recently. I think of it as staging. So if you think okay. of HGTV, let's make it for the layman, sure. right? You love HGTV because... You see all these possibilities in these homes and a lot of it is staging. So the best way to sell a home, stage the home. And when people walk in to potentially buy the house, they see possibilities of how they could live there. That's such a good way to put this. And yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, because people get, have such a problem with it. So they see possibilities. So you almost have to stage yourself so that employers can say, you know what? I can see her working care, him working care. Okay. I can see a fit. So your resume is how that happens. Now, what resumes make you cringe? What's the, what piece of advice would you offer to, to never do this? Do not ever get talked into doing a functional resume. So what that is, I don't know, resume writers have somehow, somewhere gotten talked into the belief that there should be a resume that kind of lists your capabilities without the chronology okay so marketing blah 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 blah, and advertising blah 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 blah. but nowhere on the resume does it say i was here from this year to that year and and this this. year to that exactly and functional resumes make me crazy i would (laughs) never advise anyone if anyone tells you to do that don't give them any money i had no idea i thought that seemed really clever no it is not clever what people use it for is a mask when they don't really have a lot of experience in a certain oh. area. Or if they have a lot of holes in their resume. And by like holes, when you make your, I mean, your college lifeguarding job sound like you were a lifesaver? Ex- okay. But it depends on what happened while you were a lifeguard, I guess. But yes, exactly. Same concept. So if you're, if you, But if you have holes in your resume. So some people, oh, I couldn't get a job for two or three years. That's a hole in your resume. So hey, it happens. The functional, <laughs> but the functional resume kind of can cover that up. But, but as a recruiter, you're taught to suss that out. And it will annoy you when you, you see a functional resume. You have a better resume. resume bullshit detector. 
Oh yeah, you have to because clients are paying you money okay. to to find candidates that are really good as opposed to people that are like snowing you. What's your best horror story? Well, there's the guy who had someone else write his resume and that's fine. You can have a okay. resume writer, but you need to read the resume that they write, right? Make sure that it's representative <laughs> of you, okay? He didn't bother to prove it before he sent it to me and I was considering him for a role and I was doing it out of courtesy. He wasn't the best fit for the role as presented but okay. i was like he's a nice guy let's just see he's a right? nice guy i haven't seen his junk right ergo exactly i don't ever want to see his junk please don't send it to me but the resume for some reason didn't look quite right and there was a hole in it so there was a two-year period where i couldn't figure out what he did jail so <laughs> so i called him and i said hey listen um just wanted to talk about your resume and, and find out what you did between you know let's just say oh three and oh five and he said well Okay, I'll call you back. Calls me back. Well, you didn't I wanna, look it up. I want to talk to you about this. Right, just tell me what you did between 03 and 05. We don't need to really have like jail talks about it. No, it wasn't jail. Although it could have been. Probably wasn't. But he says that he did not proof his resume that had been written by a marketing person. So everything before 05 was somebody else's background, which includes the degree. <laughs> That was listed on the resume. I, I swear to you, I shit you not. I cannot make this up. That's inexcusable. And so I'm I sorry. said, wait a minute. So none of that is true? Like all of this is, well, I didn't get a degree. And then he got super defensive about not having a degree. And I'm like, look, dude, you're the one that told me you had all this experience and you don't have it. So Oof. my suggestion to you would be to always proof your resume before you send it to a recruiter. Because if you, here's another piece of advice. I used to work for one of the largest executive search companies in the world, right? Uh-huh. Once a resume gets in our system, you can't really get it out. Like it's okay. in the database and I can't. It's like the internet. It's forever. Exactly. It's kind of indelible in that system. And then not only that, but once you piss off the recruiter, we write notes <laughs> on those resumes. We have a lot of like metadata that goes okay. along with those resumes. And so once someone says Hashtag that degree dick. is, <laughs> I'll post your <laughs> dick pic if you send it to me. No, but um, once a recruiter lists you as is falsifying his information it's in there you do not want it so i did not do that i did not want him to have that black mark on his soul right so i but i didn't consider him as a candidate either because there was too much going on with him right so i just my advice to him though was he had too many yellow yeah there was too much too much going on As, as nice of a guy as he was he was also kind of an idiot because how do you not proof a resume no that that's an excuse so what is there anything else that we need to know about resumes they don't have to be held to two pages. Okay. So there are people, and, and I say this because I come from a place where I recruit executives. A lot of executives have 30-year careers because they're, they're seasoned people. Mm-hmm. And they'll do the thing where they put it in six-point type and they give themselves 0.25 margins on each side because they think that two pages is what they need to be. Ah. I'm like, please don't kill me with your resume. Like, don't, I don't want to squint at it. I don't need a magnifying plate. Just If it needs to go to four, let it go to four. As long as it's good content. Don't send me 17, though. What kind of information should people not put on their resume? Because I, I remember seeing like resumes where people are like, oh, I'm into gardening. I don't care. Some people this like is to not put their the interests. garden department. Some people feel that it's important to round out their resume with interests. I feel like if your resume is long, then you can leave that. Your off. interest in home decorating. Great. So you're going to spend all your time on HGTV when you're supposed to be at work? Yeah, I don't give a shit about your gardening. I just want to know that you were promotable. You know, the thing about resumes also quantify 
is what I'll say. So okay. if you were in sales. So if you... I exceeded my sales goals by, by 23% percent. Quantify every that. quarter. Exactly. Quantify that. That makes sense. I had a quota of X. I exceeded my goals by this. That way, we know what we're dealing with. That right? sounds like common sense, but maybe it's not. It's not. It's not because people people are afraid of resumes. I'm telling you. They want to put the bare minimum up there um, because they don't want to do it. And it's the most important thing when you're looking for a what job. What about exaggerating on your resume? Don't do that. <laughs> Well, because sometimes things don't make a lot of sense and we read resumes. Okay. I don't really read resumes. I scan resumes because okay. I, I see too many a day to actually sit down and read a resume. But there are certain things that I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like if you were in a company for a year, yeah, please don't tell me you made all these changes in the organization yourself because you're only there for 12 months. Right. It takes about three or four months to even ramp up to begin with. Yeah. And then it takes at least Before another... you find friends to have lunch with. <laughs> yeah. But even, but yet, yeah, but to make progress and, and to and like to impact the bottom line of an organization, you, you, you can't do Especially that. like, like the kind of stayed companies that you work with. These weren't, you, you're not doing tech recruiting. You're yeah. not doing people, you're not recruiting people that, that create and sell off companies in a year. Right. Okay. Exactly. So would you say that, that we probably have our resumes on point now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So now that we have our resumes on point and we're working with a kick-ass recruiter like mm -hmm. yourself, we've got an interview. What do we do? What are some of your best practices for interviews? So you do your homework on the person you're meeting and the company that you're interviewing. Like find with. out if they had all those margaritas that send your frogs. Cause it's easy <laughs> <No>. <laughs> now. When I was interviewing that stuff didn't exist. I mean, I kept paper clip files on everybody, all the companies that I wanted to work for. So when, when I went into interviews, I'm like, Oh, I, I see that you had those, you got this Maplethorpes, um, you know, in the, in the main hallway. Mm -hmm. And they're like, that's really cool that you know this, but now it's, it's, it's easy. And it would be it inexcusable to not research. You need to do your homework, but you know, also watch your own social media because people will uh. Google you before you walk in. So I can't tell you enough how important maybe you don't it put is. up a racist Facebook post or yeah, or something of you naked or whatever it is like really keep it clean on social media so that your future employer doesn't find, you know, you drunk on Cinco de Maya or whatever it is like you just, you really want to keep a clean public image. Because, so again, the internet is forever. Interwebs is forever. Exactly. You can't get it off of there. So that's one thing. But also, so do your homework on the company, okay. on the person you're meeting, just so you know their background. So if you have okay. a commonality with them, you can say, hey, and you know, we good. both went to Purdue. You yeah. know, you could, you could share that. And that might help you. Yay, um, Harry's, but not, hey, remember that night that everybody got naked after hours? Yeah, see, that's Don't a do no. That. Hmm, that's a no. Don't do that. Just keep it clean, right? Um, you also want to be able to understand this person's perspective. So LinkedIn is great. Go on LinkedIn, see what their background is. And you, you can tell, like if you're, if you're interviewing with a general manager, see kind of how they grew up. They started okay. in marketing, did they start in operations, you know, just kind of see what their background is and you know okay. where they're coming from and you know what they're going to value. So that's going to be the homework you do. Um, err on the side of dressing conservatively. <sighs> People screw this <laughs> There's up. There's a story here. Oh my I God. I can see this on your face. It's just that people don't, even if someone tells you you can be business casual, business casual does not mean show up in your bathrobe, right? It means, I say even suit without a tie. Don't wear like khakis and a button down. I mean, err right. on the side of more conservative. Watch how much product you have in your hair. This guy came in and it was a sales role that he came in to interview for. He had more product in his hair than I had. I was <laughs> like, dude, that's hard to do. 
Um, and he also had these cufflinks that were rhinestone, that were alligators. Snazzy. See, that's a no too. Stop all that. Don't do anything that distracts from your content. If your interviewer... Rhinestone alligators. Yeah, it was really awful. It was awful. And that's his best. But he had a great background. So I coached him. Okay. okay. It was worth coaching. I was like, okay, I need a third of that product in your hair. Dish those cufflinks. Oh, how do you have that conversation with someone? You just do. I'm telling you, I've had some of the most uncomfortable conversations with people that they've appreciated in the long run. Okay. Like one guy, he had a little body odor problem. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was dying to be the one that had that conversation, but they didn't let me do it. <laughs> I was like, dude. I'm going to need you to take a bath. Um, but yeah, but I told him, I said, I need a third of the product in your hair and you want the job or not. And this is a great job. You want to make more money than you're making now, you know, but you need to, your style is a little bit much. So huh. sometimes style is a coach. So a, co- a coachable moment. Um, Interesting. So yeah, sometimes you have to do that, but okay. So it's homework, check your style. What is my next? Uh, yeah, it's about, I mean, I have more. I can. I have written an article on this, which I'm happy to put. You should put up some links so post. people can see this. Yeah. I think this is really good information. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the one thing to never say in an interview, or one thing that you have to say? Have you ever had a client that you know, candidate? like, had the job or candidate had the job and then blew it because I said something dumb at the last minute? Okay, the best story I have is not my own story. Uh, fortunately, another recruiter told me about a candidate who received an offer and then went out to dinner with who would be his new boss. Okay. Where he proceeded to butter his bread with his fingers. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't understand why a knife would Was he not... drunk? No. Mm-mm. Not that I know of. But how do you just take... It just... I'm just trying to picture that. The offer was rescinded. Well, because you don't want that in front of clients. And because this was an executive level role. And I'm talking, when I say executive level role, I don't think people understand the financial impact this has. Executive level role in my world means your comp is probably in the half million dollar range. Wow. Like, this is not like, oh, that's not a ding. That's just a wow. This is exactly. And, and it's not, this is just how, this is just who I recruit. It's not because I don't, you know what I mean? It's right. just, it is what it is. But that's how much money you're missing out on. That's, that, those are the benefits you're missing out on by doing something really stupid. And so my point is, if you want to get to executive level, then you have to kind of not use a butter knife. (laughs) You might want to. (laughs) You might want to. Oh, that's nuts. Now, a question. One of your articles in The Defender, you talk about the difference between being persistent and Mm -hmm. being annoying. Where's the line? Persistent is a candidate checking in each week when he or she is actively engaged. So if I've already talked to you, I've interviewed you, you've maybe moved on to next steps. Just sometimes these things take a while and it's not our intention as recruiters. It's like trying to turn the Titanic. It takes a while. It takes a while. The wheels of these things turn very slowly. And sometimes our clients are to blame um, because they can't get their schedules together for next steps and meetings and stuff. And, And we don't mean to make you think we've forgotten about you because we haven't persistence is is good because hey just checking in to see how things are going on this search right and then i can write you back and say hey so what's annoying annoying is i've already told you i don't have information and three times a week you're calling you're emailing you're texting ah and texting texting is is okay I, i get more and more candidates reaching me reaching out to me via text but if we establish that rapport but if we have okay. not established that rapport, please do not just randomly 
Right, because that's ping, 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 and I, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want to I mean, deal with that. You don't like, you don't, you don't text I don't really text anyway. Like, so that wouldn't work. Now, you've written another article about why you don't read cover letters. Why is that? <laughs> I thought that they were so important. People really. agonize over these. They do. They agonize over everything, resumes and cover letters. So just give yourself a little break. But, you know, first of all, I, you know, like I said, I don't read resumes. I scan resumes. But I look for keywords in resumes. So if a candidate emails a resume along with a cover letter. Do you do that with your eyes or do you have software? No, I do it with my eyes. Okay. Um, it'd be cool to have software though. But anyway, if a candidate emails a resume with a cover letter, I go straight to the resume. Okay. I don't even bother with the cover letter because the resume itself should stand alone. Okay. So you should not have anything in the cover letter that is outstanding information from your resume. Interesting. Yeah. Your resume, there's a little paragraph that people should insert, the objectives paragraph, yeah. which is at the very top of your resume. They should talk about kind of who you are and what you want to do. Okay. And that really is what the cover letter is supposed to be for. You don't want the chance for the cover letter and the resume to be separate from one another. They usually go into different databases. So you want your resume to be the thing okay. that people go to. But you, you know everyone's going to write a cover letter anyway. So in your opinion, what guidelines should they follow? For cover letters, keep it simple, right? Don't make it a missive. Like, I'm never going to write, I'm not going to read a four, six, eight paragraph cover letter. You'd be lucky if I get it through two, you know? <laughs> so if someone has referred you, disclose that very early okay. in the conversation, like maybe in the email subject line, referral from Jen Lancaster. Okay. And that way, I'll pay a little more attention to it if it's somebody that I respect. Okay. Okay. Provide a primer on your background, but keep it brief. You know, okay. like, I've been a VP marketing with Company X for the last five years, blah, blah, blah. Just keep it brief. Keep it very high level. Like, don't get too in the weeds. Um, your goal is to make me want to read more. Okay. And I'm going to find out more in your resume. Okay. So that's where I'll go. If you are communicating with an internal hiring manager, personalize the message to address the specific company. Dear hiring manager. Exactly. Don't do that, <laughs> right? Uh, or if you don't know the name of the person, then make sure that they know that you, you're really talking about that specific company in the body of the, okay. the message. Don't okay. make it seem like it's a form letter is my okay. point. And have a little personality, but not too much personality. Yeah. It's a fine line to walk. You don't want to do anything really weird, but you don't want to be robotic either. Right. Um, and like I said before, anything more than two short paragraphs is too long. Okay. No one has that intention span. I but, have but people really feel line. like they need to do more. So they, you're telling them not to. I'm telling them not to because it's a waste of your time. Okay. Because people are really reading that stuff. As a recruiter, I am working on about eight projects right now. Okay. That's eight searches I'm doing. And every day I have to do something on them. There's only eight hours in my day. Right. So if I am in heavy recruiting mode on one of my searches... I'm trying to look at as many resumes as possible. I probably look at 30, 40 resumes a day. Ugh. I have zero time to just peruse leisurely over coffee okay. your cover letter. And I, I wish I had the time to do it. I just don't. I just don't have the time. So to cater to that, it okay. would be your best, in your best interest. Um, make sure your contact information is evident and accurate. Didn't you get a resume where a guy didn't put cover any contact information? It was I remember you being mad. I was irritated because and you know why I was mad? Was he like Batman? I liked his resume. Put up the 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 bat signal? I was like there is no phone number and no email address on this resume. 
How were you supposed to get a hold of it? I have no idea, but I never did. <laughs> I never did. And it came to me. And the thing is, you know, people That's say, the dumbest thing I've ever heard, literally. And it didn't come from him. It was passed on to me from somewhere else. So it wasn't as though he emailed it to me so I could write him back on right. his email. It was passed through a colleague. And I sent it back to the colleague. I was like, what is going on with this resume? It has nothing on I can't contact him. Am I supposed to just, like, dig for him on LinkedIn? What is supposed to be the process here? But I didn't ever find him. Dude, I would have liked to because he had a good resume. It. He totally blew it because I liked his resume. It was too bad. Huh. So that's one thing. Also, in every message you write, yeah, always have a signature with address. No, address. Oh, okay. Phone number, email address. You know, I like that when I deal with publishing stuff because occasionally it, it kills me to have to get on the phone with someone. It like literally kills me. But yes, it kills me even more because you know I don't store my contacts because phone. I hate that also. I know you do. But don't make it hard for me to call you back. It should be right there in the last message you sent. I don't need to scroll down two weeks before yeah. to get the... Some people have like the initial message they sent. They have one signature. Right. And then replies they have a different signature sometimes that reply signature doesn't include the oh, contact it information it. It, do, yeah. it does but you can set it so that it includes it and it just it's a very easy fix and that way someone can always get a hold of you you don't want any reason for people not to contact you so that's really important that's smart and you know just spend more time on your resume and prepping for your interview that's my but idea. not putting all the product in your hair no leave that mm -hmm. product out all that so now let me ask you this how mm. important is linkedin <sighs> I started a profile like 10 years ago because one of my friends wanted to stalk someone and she wanted to not look like a psycho. So she's like, had everybody she, know, <laughs> she knew put together profiles so she'd have references. I never even, I never even completed the goddamn thing. And I deleted it long ago, yet I still get the occasional LinkedIn on e email like, oh, they want to be your friend. Like, I, I, I don't have a job. So is, is LinkedIn forever like a, like a neck tattoo? What are the best practices here? Well, LinkedIn is until you delete your profile. Right. So if you delete your profile, you're gone. Not um, necessarily. You still get email somehow. Well, somewhere someone can see it. If you get an email, it's still there somewhere. I think I even wrote I that I was a bar it. waitress. Like I didn't actually make well, it. Well, people know your name if you have a picture, eh. you know, but LinkedIn is super important. I can't okay. not stress enough the importance of LinkedIn. And it's because I will tell you that as an executive recruiter, I'm on LinkedIn all day long. I know Fletch has really put a lot of effort into his LinkedIn now. He like doesn't. He yeah, I saw his, his profile. social profiles. But his LinkedIn, I know, he, something he actively works on. It should. Well, it used to say retired. Remember when Fletch's LinkedIn said retired? Yeah, when he worked for me. He was right. not exactly. good at it. Retired. Um, but a good LinkedIn profile is nearly an exact replica of a resume. Okay. Because the key is that you want to be found. Okay. And I'll and just I don't tell want to you. Be found. Well, you don't. But I'll tell you how I find people. I find people through keywords. Okay. So if I am looking, let's just say, for a CFO, then I'm going to put in the title, either CFO, chief financial officer, or any of the roles that are the precursor to CFO if, if I'm looking for someone who needs to step up, right? If I want someone who's in the consumer packaged goods industry, the keywords I'm looking for are going to be either CPG, consumer products. They're going to be things that are along those lines. Yeah. I'm going to look that up on industry and whatever comes up is whatever I find. If those keywords are not located in your LinkedIn profile, I will not find you. Interesting. So they have to be there. So my point is really think about the keywords that you're putting in your resume and sort of stock the pond 
with things that are going to get you found by recruiters if you're job seeking. Okay. So LinkedIn profile, it's, it's super important. It's like the most important thing you can do next to your resume. It, they go hand in hand as far as I'm concerned. How hard is it now to find a job? Like I said, I haven't, I haven't done this in a while. Well, like I know who you are. It would, yeah, I guess it, I guess it would. But I, I mean, when I was looking for a job so desperately, two thousand three, two thousand four, I ended up, as you know, temping for two years until I was actually able to start writing full time. So how how tough is it out there right now, or would it be not so hard if you actually followed these best practices? It would be easier if you followed the best practices because you're actively putting yourself out there. It's like complaining that you don't have a boyfriend but you don't leave your house okay it's kind of like that. like that old joke that old italian joke that every day the guy would go and pray at the statue please let me win the wa- win the lottery please let me win the lottery and finally god comes down and is like you need to buy you a need ticket to play the lottery exactly that's why people do things like online dating i mean think of linkedin as online dating for employment okay just okay you know but anyway we should probably take a break sounds good it's time um So you still here? Haven't visited us yet, right? Okay, well you have time and I'm going to provide you with an incentive. If you want healthy, beautiful skin, just visit us at naturalsbygenab.com and use the promo code STORIES for 15% off of your first order. Once again, your skin will love you for it. See you there. Welcome back to Stories We Tell in Bars with Gina B and me, Jen Lancaster. We've reached our last call segment where we're going to finish up talking about what we do for work if we could do anything. Tell us on Facebook what you'd do if money weren't important because you know what? Nobody would opt to do (laughs) data entry for an insurance company. No one would be a mid-level human resources manager. What I want to know is champagne tester a job? Well, I guess it could be a sommelier, which is actually a really difficult job. Yeah, that's a hard job. It's a hard job. Otherwise, you want to be a lady who lunches and leisurely ships, sips champagne between visits to personal shoppers, which actually sounds like a great time. Yeah, that does. I I don't know how to get that job. Again, I think this has to go has to do with the the last podcast where I said I should have married for money, which was a ding. ding. Anyway. <laughs> I do feel really, really lucky that I get to do what I do. I was a professional writer for a number of years before I ever got a paycheck. Um, So it's exciting to be able to do what I love and actually, you know, earn money from it. Now, outside of champagne tasting, I can't, I can't imagine what else I do, say for maybe, I don't know, doing quality control for five-star resorts. (laughs) Again, I don't think this is a job that a lot of people have. What would you do? What so would I, you do? If I could be anything in the world, I'd be a talk show host. Ah. I've always wanted to do that. So we're halfway there. We are. Now we just have to get paid. Always. Dang. I've always... Or is lo- that not a ding? No, that's a no, goal. No, that's not a ding. That's, that's a, a goal. goal. If anyone's digging you on that, then fuck that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but absent of that, I also love writing and production. So I've done film production mm-hmm. and I've written... I've not made a whole lot of money at either one, but I at least have product that I can point to, which has been, right. I've enjoyed. I'm working on a documentary right now, which is 
like I'm neglecting it like a child that I'm feeding bologna slices to <laughs> under a door or something. I need to get back into it. But you know what? To be honest with you, <laughs> it's a great visual. Isn't that great? Like, here you go. <laughs> Let me slide that piece of Oscar Mayer under the door at you. Um, but, you know, honestly, I do love recruiting because nice. I change lives. And that makes me happy. That's like, really cool. People usually remember what they were doing when I called and, and told them about a new job. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Because I remember so much the recruiter that called me. Right. So it, it all comes full circle. So well, I, I really like it. That's really cool. Okay, yeah. I like that. Now, we both ran across this really interesting article on <laughs> 15.5.com, and that's the number 15 followed by 5 written out. And they talk about how you discover your passion, how to figure out what your path should be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. Yeah, the first step is to take a look back and figure out what fascinated you since childhood. What fascinated you as at childhood? For me, it was reading. For me, it was writing. Okay. My father always encouraged it. Like, um, I would write poetry. Really, really bad. <laughs> had to be not bad good. poetry. Oh my God. Oh my God, was it awful. But my father was like, oh, that's really good. He was so sweet. He was very encouraging. Very sweet. But my, did it suck. But yeah, he was, he was very encouraging uh, of it. There, there is no eight-year-old. Elizabeth Barrett Browning uh. wrote bullshit poetry when she was eight years old. Uh, I wrote about candy. <laughs> you know, stuff that I liked. <laughs> so bad. Oh, that's so really bad. So, but the, the second step is to ask yourself tough questions. Like what? Like how well you deal with authority, how open you are to collaboration. I think not well for both of those for me. (laughs) Now, I did see that the third step was to take their passion profile quiz at clarityonfire.com, which I did. Mm -hmm. I took it and I found out that I'm a fire starter. Cool. Like I didn't even know what that meant. I I was just happy with being called a fire starter because it sounds really cool. And I learned that I am considered a visionary with the oh, rebellious streak and that I am most attractive to um, to freedom and independence and creativity, but I also have difficulty with work-life balance. I know this. My work consumes me, so it's a good thing, at least for me, that my work is my life. And then, then the website offered me a $50 discount to find out more, oh, yeah. but I, I kind of feel like I already know, and I would rather keep my money, even if I do get $50 (laughs) off. Now, Gina, do you have any recommendations on how people can discover their passion? Did you take the quiz? I did. I'm, mine was, I came out side hustler, which is not a surprise. Oh, you have 15,000 jobs. Exactly. That's why I thought it was super funny when I took the quiz. I was like, wow, it's like they know me. That's pretty funny. I do. I have a thousand. And I don't really like to think of myself, like when people will say, oh, she's a hustler. Like when they... I no, think that sounds negative. <laughs> yeah, side hustler. Because I always have something going on. So you really do. I'm self-starter, motivated, you know. Remember so. when you were working for like three different recruiting companies at the same time? Oh, God. That's, that's some like Peter I'm Brady going right to a now. dance with three girls kind of stuff. Listen, I'm working for a couple of them right now. And it's... Um, it's sometimes difficult to manage, but it keeps me stable. That's good. That's good. I so, has to have a need for stability. But so what would you recommend for people how they can discover their passion other than taking a quiz and spending money with a $50 discount? Uh, I think that you should think about the thing that you could do all day and be happy. But you've you got to be realistic. You do have to be realistic, but you can also spin it. So... There are people who, like, like Lee, Lee loves music. Right. So he 
gravitates toward anything that's musical. Okay. Like my father, I grew I was lucky. I grew up with a professional musician mm-hmm. who has done what he's loved to do. Right. My mother, who didn't work all during my childhood, went to work when I was basically graduated college, was an accountant. Okay. And so even though she didn't work for an entity, she worked for my dad, in a sense, worked for the family. Right. Like, she could never stop with numbers. She loved math. Like, she's that Ugh. STEM person. She loved, she's that person you don't understand. She loved numbers and always felt good about her ability to make good investments, et cetera. Nice. So I think it's, it's really coming to terms with what you love and figuring out how that's going to be monetized for you. That makes sense. Now, but, I, I remember back when I decided I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I, I remember telling my brother about this, and this is this has to do with pie in the sky ideas. And I remember telling him, and he was like, oh, you need to spend years stringing for a newspaper. You've oh, got God. to write articles for 20 bucks a pop. You've got to cover the like the city council talking about sewage. And and that did not sound like something <laughs> I wanted to do. Good old toad. I, I, good old toad. I remember I told him, I said, I think I would rather start at the top. And he was like, there's no way you could ever possibly do that. Um, but I, I honestly believed that I could and I had the background and I was able to make it work. And I, I don't think that's always the case with people. But I think that, you know, there's a there's a balance between pie in the sky and really pushing yourself to try to achieve something. Yeah. You know? No, it's true. There are no rules. You Life is scalable. And you have to keep in mind that the people that you're patterning yourself after are just human beings like yourself. That's very inspirational. Who's yeah. your idol? Like, who do you want to be, Oprah? If you're it talking about talk cool hosts. to be Oprah. It would be good to be Oprah. Oprah's got a great disposition, and, and she also has so much power. Um, yeah, and, and people are still like, oh, I feel sorry for her. She never had a baby. She's fine. Right. I think she's good. She's, I think she's I, perfectly happy. I think she's She has a lot of cute dogs, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. But I think that, you know, what you should... You do have the ability to set your life up exactly how you want it, and you should do so unapologetically. I think the universe rewards you for being true to yourself. So if you stay true to what it is that you want, then I think that your life will sort of, I think your life will converge to, to, to kind of support that goal that you have. I like that. I like that. I think that wraps it up for us. I feel I like we have tied this work stuff yeah. up in a neat package. Uh, I hope you feel more inspired to go and take on the workplace after our podcast. So this has been Stories We Tell in Bars with Gina B. and Jen Lancaster. Thanks to DJ Lee Farmer for mastering the mix. And thank you to our sponsor, Naturals by Gina B., one of your many side <laughs> hustles. Of course, we are delighted to be broadcasting on Stitcher and Google Play and iTunes also. And If you like what you hear, please do rate us on iTunes as that will help other listeners find us. Right. For more on me, visit me at jenlancaster.com or the new website for my YA novel, which is beagatekeeper.com. And you can keep up with Gina at iamginab.com. And you can email us at storieswetellinbars at gmail.com. So, Gina, what was our final, like, pretentious <laughs> ding today? We do need to get a real bell. We do. We need a real bell, and we actually really need to keep count. I, yeah. I think that we each probably had two dings. Okay, I think, that's, I think that's fair. Now, you don't have to go home. But you got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> It's your delivery every time that makes me laugh. Every time. It's never not funny. (laughs) Thanks for listening.